Welcome to Asbury Pod. This week, we talked to Michael Trusnovic, one of the co-founders of the sold-out Asbury Park Dance Festival, which will be celebrating its third successful year on October 1st. We talked to Michael about his life in dance and his journey from Long Island to the Paul Taylor Dance Company, with additional stops at the New York City Ballet, the Joyce Theater, the Metropolitan Opera, and now Asbury Park. Welcome, Michael. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official city of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark. So subscribe to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark. Everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. From Route 35 to Convention Hall, Asbury Pod covers it all. Asbury Pod, I love you. I love you. Welcome our listeners to Asbury Pod. We're back with Shared Universe and a big shout out to Christian and Ming. Um, And we're really kind of bouncing back and forth between the two doing in-person and Zoom, Joe, because our schedules make for um, us to be in-person and Zoom for all intents and purposes. So we are here with Michael and I'm I'm gonna gonna say it, but I'm gonna probably be wrong. Trushevik. Trush, it's because I, I confused you by giving you that. It totally is. If you just said the initial name. Trusnovek. It's so easy. Yeah. Trusnovek. Okay. So, Michael, we're going to have you do a little bit of an introduction, and we're likely going to pepper you with some questions, um, but really somewhat single-handedly bringing dance back to Asbury Park. Well, that's a nice thing for you to say about what we're doing. It's not me single-handedly. There's eight hands involved. <laughs> you and seven other people are single-handedly bringing dance back to Asbury Park. Only three, but eight hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. You and three other... Is it three people total or are you included in the three? A- Amy was not... Four. Ex- four, four of us. Total. Amy okay. was not we expecting are... an algebra problem. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm throwing math at you at this time of the night. <laughs> Um, um, so, um, hysterical. well, yeah, yeah, the uh, Asbury Park Dance Festival coming up in October is sold out. Am I correct? Because that I, is correct. We're sold out already. I, I went to go buy a ticket, um, and uh, it's sold out, which is good news. You know, the it's good news great is great news. I mean, we're yeah. always happy when that happens, but I hate turning people away. Yeah. Uh, and how's it? Well, first, Michael, do a little introduction on who you are. Okay. And what brought you to Asbury Park? You know, we're some somewhat of an Asbury centered um, podcast. So I, I now my my recollection is you and VJ lived in or rented in Asbury before you bought in Ocean Grove. So you got to give us that story. <laughs> All right. <to> make, 
just to get you fully prepared for local flavor. I, I can give it all to you, however you okay. want. Okay. Well, so it's usually bankruptcy or breakup that brings people to Asbury Park. So if you had to pick between one of those two things, did either one of them drive you to Asbury? Neither oh. of them. Well, it you're was, one of the it first. It was love. It was love. Amore. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I grew up on Long Island, so I was not a Jersey Shore person. I was never a beach person even. Uh, and then I met VJ Carbone, one of the fellow founders of Asbury Park Dance Fest um, about 11 years ago. And one of the trials of dating was a trip to the Jersey Shore to walk around Ocean Grove. And he had already had a house in Asbury Park. So that was how it that's how I got introduced, at least to the area. Um, and how I did you was, and VJ meet? Can I ask it, that? Oh yeah, we we met online actually. Okay, Cupid, first and last online date I ever went on. Oh, and got real real lucky. But the the true test was taking me to the Jersey Shore because he loves it. He loves that area. He loves the community. He had been there for a long time even before he met me and uh, brought me down. And it was the the trial and the test, and I passed because I loved it. Even the odd tents surrounding that big giant church in the middle of ocean grove and and do you remember what you did on your first the first weekend down here i know that we went to taco the old taco the old space taco yeah, yeah. Who, of course um, that would make sense i do remember that i remember walking around ocean grove because he loved it there even though he lived in asbury he had first lived in ocean grove when when he uh first started coming back to the area after growing up down in tom's river so he's a new jersey boy um and now i feel like i'm kind of a new jersey guy and it's great. We lived in Asbury Park for a couple of years as renters and then found a house in Ocean Grove that we just jumped on and, and have been really happy there for the last what, five years. Bad at numbers and years. <laughs> it all is a blur. But how far do you want me to go back? Do you want pre-VJ Carbone? Well, no, but I do want to go because I, I'm curious about what got you involved in dance and how uh, far back does that go? It goes really far back. I was about six years old, um, always was dancing around the house, had family and siblings and friends that were all going to dancing school. And a lot of times I was spending time there because my parents owned an ice cream shop, that a Carvel ice cream store, a couple doors down from the local dance studio out in Mastic Beach on Long Island. And uh, I would go hang out there and I was doing all the steps in the hallways and the teachers just asked me to come in and sisters friends all left dance and i was bit and stayed mm. forever went to an arts high school on long island went to college at southern methodist university kept dancing and then just has been a lifelong love landed at the paul taylor dance company world renowned for about I danced there for 23 years um, and then also served in a capacity of helping to license mr taylor's works after he passed away in 2018 and and now the dancing just keeps going and going and going just mm -hmm. different facets of it so still performing some even at the festival this year i'm i'm the the sole remaining co-founder of asbury park dance festival that wants to be on stage <laughs> the others don't want to do it anymore or they're busy with other things families and lives and uh, and such and um yeah and now i'm the the deputy dance director at the met opera house so i have an entirely other existence away from the Jersey shore that is quite time consuming, but will not stop me from keeping this festival mm -hmm. going. 
Yeah, it's really so, it is really a labor of love, and I I'm guessing what your next question is, but I'm going to let you ask it. Well, uh, so what is interesting to me is that like six or seven, knowing that this is the thing that you want to do forever. I mean, yeah. I think that is kind of fascinating to me. It's a rare, rare thing, but it I, I I sometimes question it. But you know, parents who save lots of things from when you're a kid, and they have all of these, you know, the the little books that you would keep a journal of things that you're doing, your favorite foods, your favorite song, and what do you want to be when you grow up? And most kids are, you know, that typical firefighter or a doctor. Mine says dancer every single time. It's really twisted. (laughs) Just was meant to be. I think growing up so adjacent to New York City and having so much exposure to dance as a young kid um, and seeing Broadway shows, something about it just, it appealed to me. And moving has always been better for me than chatting and talking. Hmm. It, Michael, you know, I think uh, people have an idea you know, it, how much training is involved to become a professional dancer. It is um, quite a challenging uh, thing and very rare to make it a career. I think a friend of mine who um, teaches at Mason Gross, I think there was a video of her um, saying it was, a, you know, becoming a professional dancer is as rare as joining the NFL. Like there are thousands of college football players. They do not all make it to the NFL. So there's a lot of trained dancers in secondary schools and colleges, but to make it into the professional world is quite an achievement. But the amount of training involved is, 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 uh, um, is, is immense, right? Am I correct there? You are very correct. It's, it's immense and it can be really grueling and it can take its toll on you physically, mentally, no, it's it's tough when your body is your actual instrument. You know, so all the other arts they pick something up, or they're you know using their voice. They're not using their whole body in such a way as a dancer uses. It's really really hard, and it's also really difficult because the whole time you're doing it, you're putting all of this work into getting somewhere, getting to this place, this the pinnacle of whatever it may be for you, for your personal your personal pinnacle, I'll call it. Um, and then you get there and all you can think about is how the time is so finite that you can actually do it because your body at some point will just say, sorry, well, <laughs> expiration you're, you're, date. <laughs> you're, you're an elite athlete, like an Olympic athlete. And, you know, in time catches up to all elite athletes, right? right. I'm uh, not allowing it to catch up. Uh, I'm convinced <laughs> that the second I stop, I won't be able to do it anymore. So I just feel like as long as I keep moving, it will, you know, keep me young. And, you know, for me to, to leave a, a case in point is like to leave after dancing for that many years, touring the world, every like doing everything everywhere that you could possibly want to do and leaving um that performing career saying like i'm going to step away from the stage and not necessarily that i was never going to go back but then you have a pandemic come which was not mm-hmm. long after which definitely put a damper in a lot of people's careers in a way that i was lucky to miss um because i had had like this full rich career right up until the last second right before the pandemic happened i performed with new york city ballet who gets to do that mm-hmm. after having a long career and then the pandemic happens and this opportunity falls in my lap to learn a 35 minute solo that is an the, the true test of endurance for a dancer and especially doing that during a pandemic and and kind of achieving that in a way that I felt really satisfied and great about is incredible. And I was what, 47. Mm-hmm. I was doing it. That's not typical for a dancer to have a long career like that and still be able to do. Mm-hmm. So clearly but, somebody was smiling down me on me or like the kind of work I've done has offered a, a path to longevity, which is great. Was that the piece of the Joyce theater? It was Melissa mm-hmm. Fenley state of darkness. 
if anyone ever asks you to, or just try it at some point, when you're at home, throw uh, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, Le Sac de Printemps on and play it and don't stop moving for the entire time it's playing. And like hardcore moving, like not just walking, I'm talking yeah. pounding. Yeah, see how you feel after that. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna pass. Yeah, the most exhilarating. Joe, Joe danced at sea here now and wanted to fall over. Yeah, I'm, I'm still recovering from, uh, you know, from the weekend, so. Yeah. Um, but okay. Michael, like when you talk about the pinnacle, so I'm going to fess up immediately and say that my knowledge of dance, other than researching you, is movies, right? Black Swan or Dirty Dancing. And then sure. Broadway plays. I will say that my one of the really good things about my one of the few good things about my childhood was that my mother would want to see all those plays on Wednesdays where you stood online, you got the first, so she'd let me skip school and we'd go see all these plays. Um, so I'm going to uh, immediately confess that my uh, knowledge of dance is limited. So, so when we talk about like the pinnacle, what, what is the pinnacle of a dancer's career? And then I would love for you to talk to me a little bit about like the difference between being a dancer and and making it in that career as a man and then what women face in it as well and i had a, one of the one of my best girlfriends growing up did dance like 4 days a week right from the time we were 6 or 7 she got a dance scholarship to college and then gave it up and just was not and i never really understood why um, I mean, she kind of talked about why, but I never, and I think it's because it's a world I'm not familiar with. I mean, I'll start with the, the first part that the pinnacle question, I, the way I said it before is it's a personal pinnacle. So I think every dancer has a different sense of like what the top is for them. Um, for me, it was all, I mean, for me, for a long time, it was to be on Broadway and then something shifted just because of the experiences I was having, the kind of teachers that were in my life that were urging me and pushing me in different directions that I hadn't thought of for myself. So my pinnacle even changed. Uh, and then it was just wanting to be a working dancer, someone that's successful that can pay the bills and does work that's completely satisfying, not only on the physical level, but on the mental, the mental side that I felt complete. I would, you know, from rehearsals to taking class to performing every single time, there was a sense of satisfaction and joy and happiness um, that a lot of people, one, don't get to say about their work. <laughs> which, you know, I feel very, very lucky to be able to say I've done something in my entire life that I love. Now, even when I hate it, even when there's moments where you just don't want to do it, there's always that underlying sense of love. So for me, that pinnacle was just being having that experience, being in a, in a satisfactory experience where every single day I wanted to get up and move. And I still have that. So that's kind of amazing. My pinnacle just kind of keeps changing or gliding along parallel to wherever it was before. Um, as for the other which was like more about paths i think like paths of how you get to those places or just correct me if i'm wrong well so so talk to me a little bit about it, again i'm going to say this based on my my very limited experience it was very tough for my friend emily in the dancing world and i don't know if that's because for her one spot there's 200 women competing um, and is that different for men? Are, are men competing? Uh, are the numbers? So as a little girl, you you want to be a dancer, right? That's the dream. And, and I don't know that that's uh, sold to little boys in the same way. 
Um, certainly growing up, being a dancer was sold to little girls. So I don't know. I'm just curious about your thoughts in terms of um, how gender plays a role in dancing and I, what you think. It, yeah, I think it has. And I think it continues to. I mean, it's definitely shifting and changing at this point, especially when you see even just down to audition calls now for dance auditions. A lot of them are are non-gendered calls like they're really just mm -hmm. opening up and just inviting dancers in, which I think is a huge shift forward. It's amazing to see that that's happening at the Met, which is amazing that those things are happening. But I think, you know, throughout you know historically speaking as far as dance auditions go yeah women the path for a woman to get a job is much more difficult much more difficult because the competition is fierce and it's plenty whereas men it's much more scarce and if you are if you are relatively talented if you are somebody that has the the, the background has had the training that's picked up on and you become a really valuable asset and so i i think men tend to have it easier there's no way around it or at least have historically had it easier than women um but not growing up i would assume right i would assume growing up saying you as a little boy want to be a dancer that couldn't have was, been easy it was not yeah that was yeah. different yeah but i mean it was easy within the dance world because it was so desired you know for small dance studios and schools they wanted young men they wanted young boys taking class it was exciting for them to have that um but not easy for the young boys themselves i know it's not easy it's not easy to to say at your to have my 13 year old self announce to your class like oh i'm a dancer because that doesn't fly really well it wasn't a, right. a nice thing to say or easy thing to say but it also builds incredible character to be able to to stand up and say that so i i in some ways, I feel like that hardship that it was difficult at that time was really good. Super confidence building for me because I was not the most confident. I was pretty shy. So having to do that sometimes, I think, helped me. It pushed me a little bit, made me stronger for what was to come because it's not an easy life. Even for a man that may have it easier getting a job, it is still a really hard life. I don't know if it's any easier now as a young boy being a dancer. I saw my niece's recital recently their company or settled, they didn't have a single male dancer. It was, mm -hmm. and, you know, about 30, 30 young girls. And uh, yeah. so I can't imagine the social pressure to, you know, to be the kid, the boy is like, I'm going to be a dancer, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, I was thinking. There's a, there's a difference in visibility factor now, though, because of television and film and things like that, that are just much more seen. So there's an easier acceptance of, it's mm -hmm. not, so put off, I still think it's difficult to say that you're a ballet dancer. I think that mm -hmm. has a certain stigma that is different than saying like, oh, I'm a tap dancer or I do hip hop or street. like those things are just for some reason easier to digest at first. Mm -hmm. I saw an interview but with you where, you where you had mentioned that you uh, grew up loving Fred Astaire. It's easy to say you want to be like Fred, Fred Astaire, right? Sure. You know? Or Gene or, Kelly. That's easy. Or Gene, or Gene so like Kelly, a picture who, of masculinity. <laughs> right. Gene Kelly, <laughs> who the, is from New And Jersey. I should say, quote unquote, masculinity. That is like yeah. an ideal or different you know, or in a different time. Um, because otherwise, I think you know when I think of young boys in training, I always think of the movie Billy Elliot. Are they all? Is it all like Billy Elliot? You know, and uh, um, but the payoff is enormous, right? Like I said, you, you, like you had pointed out, you end up on the dancing for the New York City Ballet. Who gets to do that? The number of people in the world who got to do that is very small. I mean, that's a rather elite Fairly. club you've made it into, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I believe me, I know. <laughs> I am grateful every day. The experiences I've had are just, you know, remarkable. And I'm looking forward to that time when I can, you know, 10, 20 years from now, actually look back at all those things, the things I've collected over the years that I won't look at now because I don't want to see them. I don't want to see film and video and things like that. I'm kind of looking forward to that moment where I can sit and just be separated from it and just look at it and go, wow, that's a pretty good life there. And do you not want to see it now because you would be critical? Okay. 100%. Oh, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, can I ask another question? And I, I texted, I know you're fr- we have a mutual friend, Danny B. So I was texting that you're coming on the show. Um, and I was, you know, uh, and, and for a woman to talk about this, it, like I was, I had to really think through how I was going to ask these questions when your job is tied to your body, right? So when you're a woman and your job is tied to your body, that is a loaded um, question. And so I wanted to, ask you when your job is tied to your body and your weight and your workouts and your food, you know, what, what is that like for you? Cause it seems for women, it can be difficult. Yeah, I, I assume it's never, also difficult. I could never speak. It, 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 yeah. It depends on the man. It depends on the job. It depends on, you know, what sort of environment you're in. I, I have, I mean, I, I luckily have never had issues like body issues, which is incredible considering like half the things I was handed to to wear were nothing. <laughs> you know, half the time you're being put in front of thousands of people wearing almost nothing. But uh, I would say um, I, I have a, a slightly obsessive personality. So I just made the effort and knew that that's what I, I, I had an idea of what I wanted to look like what I wanted to feel like when I was working. And so I was incredibly committed to um, making that happen for myself. And no one could do that but me. So I feel like I just dug in and knew like, this is a period in my life where I am going to be really obsessive about the things I eat and staying fit and taking class, doing all the things that not only made my body hopefully look good in performance, but also that I had the strength and the stamina and felt really good internally to be able to do it. And I think that's something that's missed a lot of time, both for men and women in dance, that that's not the the focus, the thinking. I mean, I think it's a shifting thing that people are rethinking about it now and the way they fuel their bodies to be able to do the work. But for so long, it wasn't that. It was about an aesthetic because it is an aesthetic art. Your body is your your instrument. It's expected to look a certain way, but even that shifting so much, like the idea of a perfect dancer body has changed and evolved in a great way. It's a much broader definition of a dancer body, which is really exciting now. But it's so focus more on the talent of the person rather than, you know. Their, appear, their physical appearance. And not to say that isn't important in certain environments, but there is a shift in many, in much of the dance world toward being more accepting and open um, yeah, and positive about the way people look. As long as they're bringing talent and dance and passion and heart and all of those things that you want to see in a dancer. At least I do. So when you... I think it's the mindful, you know, what what would seem to me to have to be really mindful. So if you're going out to dinner, you know, I can, I'm a legal services attorney, so I can tie one, well, I could in, in my younger days, tie one on and still go to court and function. But you can't do that as a dancer, I assume. I think there are people that can. I could not. Okay. I yeah. cannot. It, it took a, like 150% dedication on my part. It was a constant thought. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because what you put it, because what I would put in my body on a Friday is going to affect that show I do on Saturday hugely, or that rehearsal, or that lift on that those people that are relying on me to carry them. That's <laughs> I want to be in my best shape for that physically, mentally, yeah, health wise. Yeah, that seems overwhelming to mm -hmm. to me a well, little the, bit. The, uh, I I'm not the world's biggest um, dance fan i've seen i've been to two or three live performances but i had um the first one i saw was either was it bill t jones or palabas the show both great yeah right i, I wish know, I palabas is coming to the festival this year. well that's what i i, I saw that and that's why i was like i want to buy a ticket and i should have I sh shame on me for not buying one last year but i will buy one in the future but uh and i remember my um my, an old girlfriend when i was a dancer brought me to the show and we were down in the front and I just remember this male dancer coming across the stage and leaping and it was so high. And I realized from where we were sitting in the pit, he must've been 12 to 15 feet higher than me. And I was just stunned. I had no idea what was, what dance was. And that really opened my eyes. So I was like, well, this is an amazing, uh, the physical feat for these dancers that, you know, the, uh, not to take anything, the, 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 the women were also doing amazing physical things, but that one leap, I was like, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> he could really hurt himself coming down. That's an amazing. You sure can. <laughs> right? That's so high in the air. So um, when you, when we're, to follow up on what um, maybe we were talking about earlier, when you, you, you mentioned the, the confidence of being a dancer and doing things in public. I saw you did a piece recently at Bell Works. Um, oh, yeah. But like with delight. Right. Or was that recently or was that, a, I don't know. I saw the video. This, um, this is a, during the pandemic, the Guggenheim works in process. Um, yeah. They did a series of artist grants to dancers, dance makers, different mm. people to create. They gave grants during the pandemic for you to just create something, whatever you wanted to do, a, fil a film something. Yeah. And so I went to Bellworks because I love that space. It's incredible. Well, that building's amazing. I don't know. I, yeah. I periodically love it. And then I'm like, also, it's like, is that, you know, it feels like Mussolini fascist, but awesome. Like it's really got this really stunning uh, design. But I was, uh, what I was, was, was interested in was while I was watching your piece, there were people at work and they were just walking by and how difficult that is, is that to perform in public when people are not sure what you're doing? Like they're, you know, I they're on the way to work. See them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't even notice them. I am so lost in what I'm doing. I have a tendency to just like go so deep into it that any things could happen. It's constantly like even in a theater, things would happen all the time. And they'd say, Oh, after the show, did you hear that person screaming or this kid crying? I'm like, I heard mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I am so focused and hyper-focused on what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I just loved the visuals of you. You know, you're really intense in this piece and just people walking by. They're just, you know, they're both interested and, un and confused about what's going on. You know, so why yeah. is this happening in my workspace? So I just thought it was great. A great piece. It happens yeah. a lot in that space. You know, they, they were Axelrod Contemporary Ballet Theater was really kind to me during the pandemic when Vijay and I were spending a little more time in Jersey and they have a studio space there. So they opened up that space when, when no one else really had dance studio space. I was able to go there and work and rehearse. Mm -hmm. And there were many people just walking in the building because it was somewhere open and, and they would stop and watch. And it's like they're not even there for me. It's mm -hmm. bizarre. They could be like waving at me, yelling. I wouldn't even notice them. Yeah, we love that space. We're doing all all of our um, 
all our workshops for APDF. We do mm. workshops twice a year. We always do them at Bellworks. So we offer free workshops um, with incredible like dance artists from New York, New Jersey come down and, and do workshops. We just did one this Sunday. A dancer, a former dancer with Palabolus came. I taught a class. So it's a really nice way for us to be able to connect in a different way with the community and support the the arts educational aspects that we really love and are, are caring about and why we started the festival in the first place. Michael, you're you're describing yourself a little bit as an an introvert or a more uh, I think you used the word shy early on, but what you do and you don't like crowds. But what you <laughs> do, I like crowds at a distance. I want them in crowds. the dark. <laughs> that, so that's what I'm asking. Like if one a, it brings crowds. Two, you're in front of people performing. You're not, you know, sitting at home reading or writing or or doing some sort of painting, some sort of other art form. So, so how how is that? How, how do you kind of rectify uh, reconcile those two things? Okay, I don't know. When I talk about the crowd, I think it's something about being amid like amidst the crowd, I don't like being surrounded by that and people. So maybe in a performance is different. I'm separate. I have my own safe little space. It's usually within a confine. They can't get to me. Hmm. On occasion, when you have those experiences where they're close, it can be a little bit more difficult. But I think it's just years and years and years of performing in a variety of performance venues. You know, when I first joined the Taylor organization and the second company, we would tour to these tiny cities everywhere around the world. Uh, I mean, I can remember doing a lunchtime concert at the Pfizer like headquarters in the middle of like their lunchroom with everybody around. And we just did a show there. And they, I mean, they could have like walked over. They could have handed us their trash or something from lunch. So I think you just start to get used to those things and you sort of were able to shut them out and just focus on what you're doing. So that's probably what it is. It's even like when we did the carrot when we did the carousel show a couple. So weeks I was ago. just going to bring up the oh, carrot, but, yeah. but you were very you were level with us. I mean, yeah. there there You're wasn't. Right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could reach out and touch you. But I kind of um, love that. And I love I love performances like that, especially like when young people come to those. To have that that perspective, to be that close to dance, is. Can, can be like a remarkable life-changing experience so you see those kids there like you can see them and we do see i can see i don't totally shut down <laughs> but you see them and they're so engaged so those, those are those moments i i love i love that we're able to do that and that was just like a, a random fluke thing we did in 2019 for the first year um that we said like let's do something for community that we could do something free just bring a couple things there'll be some local new jersey people and it was such a hit we were so sad that we couldn't do it during, you know, we missed that whole year during the pandemic. And then even last year, we couldn't do it. It still was not available. So we were so happy to go back again this year. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. You hope those, and I mean, I, I feel like there were life-changing experiences I had as a kid, like seeing different dance things, like going to see Singer in the Rain on Broadway was a remarkable experience. How did they make it rain like that? How did they do that? And they were right there in front of me. So you have to hope that maybe this is an opportunity for us to give somebody else that experience to, to sort of like inspire a young boy or girl or a non-binary kid to just like want to dance. It's amazing. I love that. I love it. You know, there's a, um, the national arts club has had a um, presentation this week. Uh, Andrea Miller, the choreographer was presenting mm -hmm. something called Herculean Art Dance. Yeah. Yeah. It, her, her presentation this week was why do we dance? And I wanted to participate, but it wasn't zoomed. You had to go into New York to see it. So I couldn't see it. And I thought I was like, I, I would be interested to hear that because thinking about thinking in advance about talking to you, I was like, well, I'd be interested to hear what does it mean? And why do we want to dance? But then I had a thought, like, no one ever asked a football player, why do you play football or mm -hmm. soccer? Any other athlete, no one asked them 
no one has to justify, you know, yeah, the, the easiest soccer. answer I can give you is yeah. that um, I, I couldn't not do it. Yeah. Like, there's no way. No. Yeah. I can't imagine not doing it. <laughs> and hopefully some of the kids at the the carousel now have that same kind of. Um, I, oh my, I bug, hope so. Right? That yeah, would the, be amazing. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, so Michael, take us through um, the Asbury Park Dance Fest. Like, how did that come to fruition? Who were the, you know the initial pioneers of it, and 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 long term goals of it? Um, I mean, I really started as a joke. I, I hate saying that, but it is really true. You know, um, Laura Halzak and Michelle Fleet, who fellow dancers at Paul Taylor with me, known them for many many years. We've been good friends, and they would come down to the shore to visit VJ and all the time. Uh, VJ and I all the time, either with their spouses or boyfriends or whoever it may be, and they just fell in love. They would come all the time the beach to the house we'd walk around and we would jokingly point to places and go oh that looks like the perfect spot for the asbury park dance festival like just jokingly like could you imagine and vj would say no we're never doing that that's never happening i'm not doing that and it might have come some and from, why why would it what, what I, where was that coming from i think i think it was you know knowing how busy we all were one to, to not be able like that takes it takes a certain amount of focus and I think maybe from having early experiences with his then boyfriend, uh, Mike Buse, that had the store on the boardwalk, just how difficult it was and and wanting to keep the Asbury and like that whole life there as the escape from work and not being there to work. Um, and then when Laura, Michelle and I all retired within just a few months of one another, um, it was very close. By, by then we had been talking a little more seriously about it. Like maybe maybe we need to do this. This could be a really great opportunity. One, we felt like there was a desire in the community. It feels like there are, we, we would talk to so many people that were New York transplants and they missed seeing dance and they would head into the city to see it. And we knew a couple dance people in the area or at least dance adjacent people that had worked at the Joyce Theater and worked for foundations that support dancers. And so there was definitely a community there that, we sensed an interest. And so I, I should preface it like, but when you leave the Paul Taylor company, you often give about a year's notice. So we knew, I knew in 2018 that I was leaving in 2019. So we were already talking about it and we had decided that we wanted to move forward and, and just make a go for it, a go of it. Um, can I, to, wait, can we, yeah. can we talk about that a minute? So, sure. so you, you're, uh, uh, you, is that body related is that is that mentally related is that i want to do something new like what what is the what thought process goes into i'm going to finish up something that i've wanted to do since i was six mm -hmm. i'm going to finish well, i mean that for up me i year. knew it wasn't i knew it wasn't finishing it up it was just finishing that aspect that phase that sort of experience i um when, when Mr. Taylor passed away in 2018, I knew that I wasn't going to stick around very long. He was the reason okay. I was there. I wanted to work for him. I wanted to be in his dances while he was present. And so I felt like if I was going to go, that was the time to make it happen. Um, and I also wanted to be able to, I know this is odd, but I, I kind of knew at that point, probably in maybe April or May of 2018, like, Paul's health was declining in a way that I thought, I don't think he's going to be around very long. And I want to have that opportunity, not necessarily to tell him I'm leaving, but to be able to say thank you and to be able to talk to him while he would still know who I was and, and be able to say, like, this has been the most incredible experience of my life. And but it's, you know, it's time for me to go. And he, I think he understood it. He knew he was like, well, you're going to be fine. You're going to do great things like you're going to have 
you know, other stuff happen. So it felt important for me to be able to do that while he was still there. And maybe it's because I saw so many dancers before me have that experience. And there's something cathartic in being able to say to him, like, thank you for what I've had here. It's time for me to go. And to almost get his blessing. I know that sounds like a bizarre thing, but he was a father figure. You know, when you work, work for somebody like that, that intimately for 20 plus years, there's a, a really interesting relationship that develops. <laughs> so there was an honoring of sorts. And I think it was just the, the year thing, giving it so far ahead is a common occurrence there because it's a lot of planning to, you know, plan an audition and think about replacing a dancer, especially one that's been there a long time. So it takes time. And there were six or seven of us that left when I left. So clearly, Paul's departure really had um, a remarkable effect on dancers that had been there for a long time that felt it was ready to time to go. And there were other things I wanted to do, like the festival and and dance for other people and have other experiences. So it was time. Mm-hmm. So w- w- um, when did you realize that the after you've decided to leave Paul Taylor, um, that the joke about Asbury Park Festival was <laughs> going to be a real thing? You know, I I cannot remember. I cannot pinpoint the exact moment. It was definitely a good year before the festival because I feel like we had about a year to plan. So it must have been sometime in that, you know, summertime. They were probably visiting and maybe the joke happened and there was a little like, maybe we could do this. (laughs) It could totally do it. Um, Yeah. And then looked at a bunch of different spots that we could do it and saw House of Independence and thought, you know, this could work for us the way everything is here in one space. You know, the stage is relatively small for a dancer, but we felt like it's it was a good starting place um, to bring to see what we could do, really to see what we could do to test and to sort of test all of those relationships that we had made for many, many years with so many dancers and performing on so many festivals and seeing how they worked and, you know, talking to other people. Uh, another former Taylor, two former Taylor dancers started um, Dancers Responding to AIDS through Broadway Cares, and they do a huge festival in the summer, the Fire Island Dance Fest. So they were really helpful, uh, instrumental in talking to them about how you structured this. How did you make this work? How did you kind of like the logistics behind to see if we could do it? And then you pull the trigger and you see what happens. And, um, you know, dancers are, are remarkable people and remarkable humans and are always looking for opportunities to dance. Like dancers want to perform. And when you offer a dancer a performance opportunity, even when it's one that you're asking them to volunteer their time. Um, I think when you when you define it in a way that it's, you know, this is for an incredible cause, something that we know is probably de- as dear to you as it is to mm-hmm. us, having an opportunity to be able to get, you know, to have um, exposure to dance education, to see dance like this. People jumped. They were really happy to come in. So we felt lucky. It was almost easy that first year. Everybody wanted to say yes. And then after we did it and everybody had such a good time, it was like other dancers really wanted to come and be a part of it. They heard what we were doing was special and they wanted to to join in. And and that's 2019. I felt I was mm-hmm. at the 20, I was at the show at House of Independence. And then so so COVID hits about a year later. And and yeah. what what's the dialogue at that point? Is that we did talk about it. We tried. We tried to see if there was something we could do. We pushed. We we were asking. We were asking if there was a way we could do something in the carousel building that year, just to to have a presence, even if it was something small. And it just wasn't possible. So it was really disappointing to to miss that year. Um, that's life. <laughs> that's just how it went, and everybody understood, obviously. Um, and people continued to support us, and we did continue to offer that. We tried to do the workshops as still. Uh, workshop still just to keep those going and keep the name out there and keep that momentum, which was which was nice. Um, 
and well, for those who are listening, um, you the AP Dance Fest is a fundraiser for and um, the um, Arts of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah Arts of New, New Jersey. Jersey. So they're, I mean, they're doing incredible work. I, I don't even know how we found them. It was we started thinking about supporting arts education initiatives. We knew Mammoth Arts. We just did. It was like searching the internet and finding like what is this Arts of New Jersey and reading everything about them and thinking this is perfectly in line, and reaching out and speaking with them, and they were excited to to start building a partnership and and happy to have the support um yeah you're a recipient of the governor's arts advocacy award we did for that that first for that first yeah for the first year of the festival that was just really unexpected but really really nice it made it feel good to know that what we were doing one resonated obviously with the audience there but to resonate at at that state level where someone's like oh we noticed what you're doing and it's important and thank you that was just really, really nice for us. Sad to have, I think it was all virtual that that year when it was accepted, so we didn't get to physically be there, but um, it was a really, really nice honor. Now and we just have to keep doing it. Right. <laughs> you know, you get that in the first year and you're thinking, wow, and we've got to like really live up to this and keep bettering ourselves. <laughs> um, you mentioned that one of the reasons you don't watch your pieces is that you would run the risk of maybe being critical. When, when you're watching dance performances or movies with dance performances in them are you critiquing always <laughs> but it's oh also my God. kind of I have so I mean, many questions about this then but I'm it's like, also my it's dancing. also my job though movie? you know it's also um, kind of my job and it was my job even as a dancer at, at the taylor company because besides being a dancer i was um associate rehearsal director so i was there they were using my eye to watch these dances that i knew so well and now at the med it's the same thing as deputy dance director i'm really looking at the dances trying to be critical in a way that is constructive and will help to make it better and be able to share knowledge and information that i've been lucky to to receive throughout my life so but yeah to sit through performances can be not the best thing with me especially if i don't like it (laughs) i get very (laughs) tense i get really tense if i love a show i have the most incredible kinesthetic response to it i will literally start sweating Hmm. as if i'm performing if i love something so you know if you look over and you see sweat (laughs) dripping down you know i'm enjoying the show or it's just really hot in the theater one or the other If not, I could be like gripping VJ's leg or whoever's with me. Like, oh, how are we going to make it through this? Appreciating. Go ahead, Joe. Is it, if you see a performance, do you not let the performers know you're coming? Because maybe the... no. I like to I like to sneak in and out as much yeah. as I can. I am known. I, I do like to send people messages, especially people that I know or people that even people that I don't know that I just admire. I'm one of those people that will find ways to reach out and just send a note. Whether it used to be much more physical, I would send physical notes, but now it's just easier to Instagram message somebody. <laughs> but I think it can be equally as as um um it can it can land a punch. You hope it does in some way that I was always appreciative when people reached out to me, whether it was just some a random audience member that was moved by the performance in some way and and felt like they wanted to reach out and share that with me. So I feel like it's nice for me to be able to do that. Best movie that depicts dancers lives. Uh, I, I I hate that I'm going to say this just because it, it feels too incestuous, but the, the film made about the Taylor company, which I'm not in, it was made right before I joined the company called dance maker is probably one of the best movies about what it's really like to dance in a dance company. Okay. Yeah. 
And that's a movie, not a documentary? Is it a documentary? It is a documentary. It okay. was um, okay. an Academy Award nominee that year. Um, oh, I'm going to watch Directed it. by Matthew Diamond. It's ter- it is a really terrific film. Mm-hmm. Just to see the inner workings of like what it's like to wake up on tour in random hotels every night and perform and what your body feels like and um, a fly on the wall in the, in the studio watching and a genius, really, Paul Taylor, create to be able to see that is, you know. You, you just I, uh, what you just said prompted a question. What's the recovery time after performance before you're ready to perform again? Depends on the person. I mean, what, when we would do a New York season, New York mm-hmm. seasons could be three or four weeks, and you're doing seven or eight shows a week. You just oh my gosh, you just wake up and you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you might not want to when you first wake up, but you get there. Right. <laughs> Will determination, yeah. um, adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's all the preparation before that. That's really mm-hmm. what it is. If you put in the work and you've done the preparation, you're going to get through it and you're going to feel amazing. Black Swan, mm-hmm. accurate depiction of <laughs> the mom. dancing world or inaccurate? Um, I, I have not seen the film in a really long time. I don't think it is the most accurate of depictions. <laughs> I'm sure there are elements of truth, I'm sure, like hints of truth, but it's, you know, it's <laughs> heightened, we'll say. It's heightened truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk about the performance that's coming up on October 2nd. October sure, 1st, October 1st, right? October 1st, Saturday, October 1st, House of Independence. Um, it's it's incredible. I mean, just the, the level of talent that's coming. It's great. I mean, we have Jacqueline Harris, the star dancer from the Albanelli Dance Company coming, um, doing this really fun uh, solo called Ella, music of Ella Fitzgerald. So basically, it's like uh, Ella's scatting come to life in Mm. a dancer's body. So it's really brilliant. And then a company like Palabalist is just gravity defying, really, the work they do. It's just so physical and... um, there's something about the 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 level of equality in a palabalist duet that you see between the the man woman whoever's dancing it whatever two bodies are doing it they find this equilibrium that is really stunning to watch um and we get some young dancers from american ballet theater studio company who performed last year as a fill-in because we lost the dancers so we felt like we wanted to come back and and invite actually invite them this year early and say like think about what you want to do so they're doing um an older work by uh sir kenneth mcmillan um so a, a really gorgeous, stunning neoclassical duet. Um, who else? So many things. So uh, Dancer Blakely, White McGuire. So we have the Graham Company, a, a, Graham, a Martha Graham solo back for the third festival in a row, which we were trying to really, you know, not repeat people. But it's Martha Graham and she's, you know, one of the pioneers of American modern dance. So we felt like she needed to be there. And we are matching her with an, an equally impressive pioneer of modern dance, Jose Limon. So dancers from that company are coming to dance one of his seminal masterpieces, uh, some excerpts from There's a Time. Um, who else? I mean, I love them all so much. Um, I don't want to I would like to name them all. Um, one of the ones I'm really excited about are New Jersey, local New Jersey. They're from Union, New Jersey, and they are a 17-year-old twin brothers. They're called the Foreman Brothers. Tap dancing sensations. They're incredible. Um, Vijay and I saw them at a performance at the 92Y, presented by two really seminal tap artists named Michelle Dorrance and Dormisha. They were presenting young dancers, and they came out and 
they started talking and about how they were from New Jersey. And we looked at each other and said, we have to have them. So I used my contacts and found ways to get in touch with them. And so they're coming down and they're doing some work. And I'm, I, they've been, I think they, they recently played the, the Heinz brothers on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So people oh, wow. on the show, they've probably yes. seen them. They're just, yeah, they're, we're, they're closing the show out appropriately. Um, and I'll be dancing an older duet by a former Paul Taylor dancer. So we're, it's like three generations of Paul Taylor. He was sort of prior to me, but we had some overlap. And then Kristen Dropper, who's in the current company, she and I had some overlap and this is a duet of his. So it's like, a little trifecta, but not a Taylor work this year. Mm. And, you, and you Michael, take us. Oh, I was sorry, just going to yeah, say, go just for people yeah. who don't know. Yeah. W- w- before you got on, we were talking about senior now, because I don't think people understand the full gravity of like all of the, the behind the scenes stuff that goes into getting that two day event going. Um, so how does, how long do you plan this? Um, how, how do you pick the talent? Um, you know, just take us through a couple of minutes of that. Sure. So the show's on October 1st and then October 2nd, we start <laughs> the next, the next show. Um, I mean, we're constantly seeing work. So that's, I, I keep a running list of people that I think would be interesting. And it's hard because we have to think about the space we're in. It's limiting in capacity. If you have more than three or four dancers up there, it's just too much. Um, um, we're always looking for really eclectic talent. We want it to be as varied as possible on the program. So we, we start thinking about it right away. We have long brainstorm sessions where we just like name people, um, and look at some of their work online. And a lot of it we know. Um, and then it's the whole reach out process. It's reaching out to these artists, explaining what we're doing. If they don't know about us, um, see if they have interest and availability. And, and it's important to go out to them early because these companies, they have work that gets booked. And there's always that caveat that they may get a booking and they may have to cancel on us. And that's just life. Like you could see that the poster, um, the poster guy, Lloyd Knight, who's on all of our marketing this this mm-hmm. year, which is incredibly designed by Danny G, uh, Danny B's um, husband, Keith Fiore. Um, he's oh, nice. amazing. So he does all of our marketing and promotional stuff. So we had hit Lloyd Knight uh, positioned on all of our marketing because he was coming to dance. And then the Graham company is performing at Fall for Dance that night. And so he can't. So it's things like that happen. So you just have to figure out and be willing to shift at the last minute. We've had people, you know, call out a week before, but it's a, it's a lot of um, logistic planning, um, thinking about production, what kind of equipment we're going to need for different dancers if they have live music and a lot of email back and forth. And it's a lot of fundraising. That's a big part of what we do. It's, you know, getting the supporters to come on and um, believe in in what we're doing and be excited about it and, and want to make a monetary contribution to cover the cost of the theater and getting the artists there. And, you know, the many, many things that have dollar tags and price tags on them. Which- yeah, so if people did want to help and support, you can you can donate through your website, correct? Very easily. Like you can make yeah. just a, an easy, don't you know, a simple donation, or you can become a, a supporter at a different tiered level that offers you access to tickets really early or free. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're included with tickets, so you're guaranteed to have them at what is always a sold out show. Mm-hmm. So it gives you the the inside track. Um, and you can all, and you can also donate directly to Arts at New Jersey too, because of all the, all the ticket proceeds go directly to them, which is mm-hmm. lovely. I Do wish you, are you, are you noticing every year? <laughs> are you noticing anything different? Like there, I just read this article in the New York times about how people, first of all, I always ate early, but people are eating now. Six is the new eight. 
in New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, are you noticing a different? I I know now when I after COVID, right, and kind of after that year or two of um, sitting, right, you had nothing to do but sit and think. Um, resulting in, you know, the great resignation and all these things that happen. Are you, I know personally speaking as a result of the pandemic, escaping into a play or a movie or a a dance festival or any of that has uh, means more to me now than it probably did in 2018 and 2019. I enjoy it more. I savor it more. I don't check my phone because other shit isn't important than this experience. Are you noticing anything different with the audiences since COVID? I'm trying to think, you know, we we only did the one show last year. I mean, when I go see shows, I feel like, um, I think there's still a slight hesitancy for people to get out and see the shows, but then once they're there, they're really glad that they're there. Um, They realize how much they missed that live experience, that three-dimensional thing. They're tired of looking at screens. I know I am. Um, so I'm always happy to see things with, you know, actual dimension and um, to feel that palpable energy in an audience cannot be replaced at home. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I've really noticed a difference just yet. I don't know. I don't I don't hmm. know. It'll be interesting this fall to see. I'm, I mean, for us, clearly there's a desire considering how quickly the tickets sold, like people want to be out and seeing. It was quicker than amazing. in 2019. It was quicker. pre. It was definitely tickets... quicker than last year. Okay. Last okay. year was definitely a little we worked a little harder last year to get there. Um, yeah, hmm. it was difficult this year. I was... think people are valuing these experiences more and in a different way, at least, and I'll just speak for me. I know I'm valuing these experiences more than I did in 2015 and 16 and 17. I don't know, Joe, no, you're not having. No, I, no, I agree. Like I enjoyed, you know, I I didn't do anything for two and a half years. And then since July, I think I've seen five or six concerts and each one's better than the last, just being out um, with people, you know, was quite, Mm -hmm. it's quite, uh, you forget, you know, I'm from New Jersey. Usually I hate being around people. Like, <laughs> then it's suddenly like, oh, well, maybe I miss these people that I don't like, you know, so, but, you and you love it. So, you know, um, uh, and I, you, know, I went to buy tickets for the AP Dampens. I had not purchased anything before, but this time I was like, well, this time I want to go see it. And, uh, and it was sold out, which is great. You know, that's great news. No, so, I'm so sorry. I hate. Oh, that's not your out. fault. Oh my God. I mean, I'm <laughs> thrilled to be sold out. But that's I wish Joe could being see. like, throw him a ticket, Michael. Yeah, throw Micah, it. You know, uh, but, I, but but that speaks, I mean, that speaks to, you know, one, yeah, this is great. It's resonating. People want to see it. So it does make us think like, where do we want to take it? You know, we really like it being this. Where do you want to take it? Well, I mean, I mean, for right now and at least the next couple of years, I think it's going to stay what it is. It's a really sweet little gem. I I think we'll uh, we're limited by the city and op- like spaces to actually perform that would be um, able to accommodate what there, our needs and have more capacity. Like that's that's the challenge right now mm-hmm. for us is having another space that we could grow into because we we have we have to be in Asbury Park. Because constantly when I say that, people start offering a million suggestions. And I, every answer I say is, that's not Asbury Park. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's not, a, well, you could go here. There's this theater there. It's not Asbury Park. Yeah. <laughs> we are the Asbury Park Dance Festival, and we will always be in Asbury Park. You don't, you don't want a, a warehouse in Allenhurst is not going to cut it. <laughs> I don't know. No, I really, no, I don't. So, so for right now, I think 
we're going to continue as is. And I think that's great. It's great. And and knowing that there's this demand for it could make us think like, well, do we think about having a second show? That would probably be the the the, the biggest jump we'd make within the next year or two is to maybe add a second performance, whether mm-hmm. it's on the same day of or the next day coming up with an idea. And continuing, hopefully, to do the Carousel Show and offering other opportunities for people to see what we're doing. Um, Michael, just do you want to plug your website and your your social media handles? Sure. It's very easy. Our website is www.apdancefest.org. And you can all of our social channels are the same. So it's always AP underscore Dance Fest. and just out of curiosity, Michael, what are you watching and reading right now? What am I watching and reading right now? I am watching a lot of dance films right now because I have another role. Um, I'm involved with Dance Films Association that produces the Dance on Camera Festival at Lincoln Center. So I'm part of the team that curates and views all the films. So I have about 230 dance films to make my way through. So oh, my great. God. Yeah, I love, I mean, that was really, I mean, one of my entry points to being a dancer was watching dance and film, obviously, like films of Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly. So I've always, I love dance films. So it's kind of nice to watch them. And what are you reading? Um, Right now I'm reading two books. (laughs) I have my Jersey book, um, both given to me. Both books were given, these two books were given by um, good friends and actual APDF house hosts, which we have many of those around town, uh, Julie Herzog. And she's oh, I love the, Julie. Yeah. So she is con- we're constantly giving books. And, you know, they're, they're one of those, this is sort of on, an aside, they're one of those amazing thing that, things that have happened because of the festival. Because they saw a piece in the Tri-City the first year we were performing, uh, presenting the festival, that we were looking for people to house dancers. And she and Gabrielle, they reached out and said, hey, we would host a dancer. And I thought, who are these people? Other than the connection they had to some other friends, that was all I had to go on. I said, well, let me bike over and I'll just meet you, vet the house, check it out, make sure I feel comfortable leaving dancers there. And immediately fell in love with them. They were oh, amazing. They're, the they're amazing. The, the dancers that they hosted, they adored and things like this, like now Julie and Gabrielle go to see the dancers when they perform in New York in the company they're in. So it's like this uh, this little festival sort of feeding into even the New York and the larger dance scene, which is amazing. So they host dancers for us every year. And that makes me happy. Um, what is the name of the book? One of the books is called Orphan or Orphans. I can't remember if it's plural to Ukrainian writer. Um, and I think Julie's other... part of the um, book cooperative, isn't she? She is. She's on the board. Vijay and I are members. I volunteer there whenever I'm down in the summer, like one day a week, I'll go and volunteer in the bookstore. It's a great way to chat with people in the community. I love that. I've met yeah. a few dancers that way too, which is interesting. People come in yeah. and yeah, somehow we get to talking and I find like, oh, I was a dancer and I did this. <laughs> the other book is called Asymmetry. It's another book here. I can't remember the author. But mm-hmm. Both of them are Julie. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything, Joe? We are at nope. 7.59. Okay. We're we are at our time limit. Wow. People stop listening, uh, certainly after that. So we could talk for another hour. I mean, I, I, you know, 
Do I just think just the last thing when you put um, dancer, you guys can always spot each other in the wild, right? You mentioned you run into dancers at the book, the book cooperative. Like, can you always know, like, by the way they walk? Like, there are times, yeah. yeah. There's something uh-huh. about the way, uh, you know, a dancer that's dance, especially a dancer that dance a long time, there's a way in which they carry themselves physically, an uh-huh. awareness of their body, awareness of the <laughs> space around them, how they sort of navigate through life is. Very dancer. They're standing in first position while they're looking at the books. And you're like, that's sometimes a giveaway, but not always. Right. Yeah. Because there are people that are non dancers that have more turnout than I would ever have in my entire life. (laughs) Hence, modern dancer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Appreciate it.